The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to discuss the end-of-year press conference this year. Different people each year, but this year, John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta doing it together. Uh, and uh, joining me to talk about that is Alec Pulianis of One Winning Pod. How you doing, Alec? Doing great, Ken. That was a really enjoyable 45 minutes. It kind of snuck up on me. I wanted to have some popcorn ready, but uh, unfortunately, I ran out of time, but I enjoyed it nonetheless. Yeah, qu- quite a lot of good news, I think, for Ravens fans. And earlier in the day, you know, when the press conference was announced, it kind of predictable, I guess, what the main topics would, would be. The first, that Greg Roman would be gone because they leaked that information, or somebody did, to Mike Garofalo to basically <laughs> say that the, the two topics to be discussed today or the main topics could be Greg Roman and and uh, Lamar Jackson. Right. And it's yeah, not. Greg Roman's getting an extension. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was Roman's uh, people, apparently. He had some agency that mm-hmm. put out a, a presser first, and then shortly thereafter was the Ravens and I'm sure it was all coordinated and this was not yeah. like a surprise, but uh, 
I enjoyed the fact that the organization was very classy about it. I think there's a lot of things you can say about Greg Roman in both uh, camps. And I, I just think overall, I'm glad that the organization stuck to their usual classy ways when saying goodbye to this guy, even if um, fans might find it to be long overdue. Yeah. And, and that may be true, but I'm so much about this team could not have operated with the personnel they had. And I think Greg Roman was especially well-suited to deal with the shortcomings of this team, uh, you know, in, in, well, for the last several years. Um, and I think he's, he's done a good job of it. And I, th- I still think it's time to go. I still think it's time to move on. And some of the things we've, we've seen recently, in particular, the Ravens like lack of creativity and picking up short yardage, which that should be some of the easier things to do with, with a complex run scheme. That's something that's kind of bothered me. Running Mark Andrews on third and one out of a you know a fullback slot, you know yeah. Mark Andrews under center, that's okay, but you better have about three or four different concepts you can run from it and not just go back to the same well multiple times. You know the push play, I think it's okay, but everybody's got to be on board with it, including the quarterback. <laughs> you know when right. you run that play, and, and I think that. I think Dobbins was saying what everyone's been thinking as far as sometimes we just get a little too cute in some of these scenarios when you have these guys that are able to contribute. Like you said, on third and one, I love Mark Andrews in so many ways, but I do not love him running, you know, in that position to it, no, like, I don't care that it didn't work. Even if it worked, I've been like, that was kind of silly. I mean, you have running backs that are inc- have incredible vision, incredible power. They do this for a living. Like, I don't understand like what Mark Andrews really brought to the table from a create like it didn't seem creative. It just sell, felt like shooting yourself in the foot a little bit. So and it, that, could be, that, it could have been that was just kind of how Ricard. If you're gonna if you're gonna yeah. run somebody big, you're gonna run fullback. You give up a player, obviously in the play, the running back, because nobody's yeah. really got to account for him if the ball goes to fullback. Right. Yeah, I, it, that was definitely a an interesting call, and just the the lack of utilization of certain players, um, in particularly high leverage. Uh, situations. I mean, obviously, everyone expects you to go to those players during high leverage situations, and there there's good reason to you know go through your progressions and not just force feed. But um, that's more in the passing game. I think with the run game, you know, just give give it to the hot hand, give it to the guy that's uh, been producing at a remarkable rate at the end of the season. So, I uh, I definitely think though, like I like I said, and you said that a lot of good things came out of Giro. Yeah, I, I need to cut in here and do one thing that I that I forgot to do here, and that is thank our sponsor, Liquid Death, the water that will brutally murder your thirst. Uh, please uh, try their product. They've been good to us and uh, recommend the lime seltzer. Uh, getting back to the to the to the G row discussion here, though, and I'm sorry to to, to cut you off. The, 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 it opened up with a very general out with the old in with the new, this is the beginning of the new season here before they even got into the Greg Roman news, which right. the only thing that was maybe a little bit surprising to me was that it wasn't a PR guy leading the discussion. It wasn't, you know, maybe Ozzie Newsom would have done it in the past. It, it was John Harbaugh more or less leading this conversation for, for the two of them. And, and uh, uh, EDC seemed okay with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that everything that Harbaugh said there too is is very true. Um, I think there's a big feeling across the team and even analysts that this team did a lot of things right this year, and uh, there's um, some unfortunate circumstances that resulted in 
the season already being over and not continuing. But I have full confidence in the strategy and the directory of this team, and they seem to have it too. And it's been a multi-year thing, like they said. They've been building this you know, progression for the last three to four years, and I completely see it. If you really pay attention to what they're trying to do, it is, is super clear that there's a, a vision, and I think it's a Super Bowl-winning vision. It just There's a lot of components that are external factors that will influence if that actually comes to be. And that's just football. So I am, I'm over the moon about this team still. I, I really like the direction that it's going and I, I have full confidence that the team's going to be relevant and, um, and compete at a high level for years to come. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's certainly what I got out of the conference as a whole as well. Uh, after Harbaugh had some introductory remarks, one of the interesting things came up, EDC came on and, EDC was sweating up a storm uh, and, and he talked about just getting off the Peloton. And in fact, Lacey Costa has just commented on it. Says no more Peloton before your, your, your press conferences. Uh, <laughs> somebody had to say that, but, uh, but he realized it was, he was, uh, he was sweating like crazy there. And, uh, and, and it, 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 it was an interesting image, but, uh, uh, but as usual, EDC had all sorts of very important things to say in this. Um, he did not have, much to say about Greg Roman because Greg Roman was John's hire, obviously. And John's, um, uh, he works directly for John, whereas, uh, mm-hmm. John and Eric both work for the owner. So yes. I, it's, it was, it was appropriate. Um, you know, the, the I want to go back to, to now some of the Roman stuff is that, uh, you made the interesting point that John is very optimistic about who will want this job. Yes, he is. He said everyone will want this job. They're going to cast a wide net. He did also mention they'll look internally, but they're also going to look externally. And they're excited about all the new ideas and everything they'll get to hear in this process. And they did mention that Lamar would be uh, included in the, in this and his thoughts. And he already talked to him about things that he might want to see. And I do think it's interesting that everyone will want this job, that comment. But when I started thinking about it during the press conference, I actually agree. Um, and it was under the... The question was asked, you know, with Lamar up in the air, you know, is that going to be an issue for somebody coming in? And I honestly think no matter what, this is a really interesting job, not just because this team is in a competitive state, but also just because you have a lot of good foundation. Even if you look past Lamar, you have a really solid running back room. You have great, a great line. Um, You have uh, amazing tight end room. And it's really the wide receiver room, which they... (laughs) very openly talked about will be reshuffled um, that needs to be changed. And then you have the quarterback, but as we'll talk about later, it seems like they're completely intending on having Lamar be their quarterback long-term and um, you know, maybe we'll even see something happen soon. Yeah. I think we'll get to Lamar in a moment. I just want to stick with Greg yeah. Roman and the, and the higher of the new OC. Um, John is the one who mentioned, you know, he talked to Lamar. He thought he'd have input. Uh, which is good. And that's it's it's one of the important bridges they can build with Lamar is trying to um you know make sure that he's involved in that process uh, as these negotiations are going on. The negotiations themselves, you know, you really get the impression from Eric that they they have a weight to them. So it's important that there's an offsetting thing. And I don't want to go straight too far into Lamar, but I did I did definitely get that out of this press conference that, you know, he said things like, 
when we get this done, we're going to feel like a million bucks. And, and, you know, I'm sure that people have something to say about that exactly in terms of it being a few <laughs> more dollars than that they'll feel like. But, but the truth of the matter is it, it is, it's a, you know, it's a difficult thing. It's like kind of like going through surgery or something where, you know, there's some light at the end of the tunnel and you're doing it because you want to feel better in the end, but you, but it, it doesn't feel good while the process is occurring. And this is an offset to that and being involved in the, in the new hire. You may see your coworkers cracking open a can in your 9 a.m. stand-up meeting, but it's most likely not beer. It's a new mountain spring water called Liquid Death. You've heard me talk about this many times. Why is it called Liquid Death? Well, because it'll brutally murder your thirst. Plus, its infinitely recyclable Tallboy cans are helping to be a, bring a death to plastic bottles. Did you know plastic's not even really recyclable anymore? It ends up just going to a landfill because it's not profitable to recycle. Meanwhile, aluminum is recyclable and profitable for recycling facilities. You guys know how much I love Liquid Death. It's in everything I do. I take it to work. I take it to the ball club. I take it when I'm out with the kids. I got them right here on my can on my desk because I'm recording a podcast. I'm always with it. What's cool now is I'm seeing you guys on Twitter talk about how you're grabbing your cans and going to work. So send me those stories about what you're doing and how you're cracking open a tall boy in odd situations because, hey, it's water. And not only is it water, it's the best water that you can go out there and buy. It's cold. You can drink it with whatever you're doing. So go on out there, get Liquid Death at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool by going to liquiddeath.com slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com slash film study. For sure. And in a way, it's a negotiation uh, piece. Like. Mm -hmm. This is a new beginning for all of us. We're going to have a new offensive coordinator for you, uh, a new cap situation with uh, you as uh, the highly paid member. And we'll have to, um, you know, obviously see him play at the level that, um, you know, is, is, is level, the same level of the compensation. So we've been getting a lot of cheap years out of Lamar getting a lot more play out of him than we were paying him. And then we're, now we're going to maybe get a lot more even years and that's okay. It's just a matter of, how we're going to build this team going forward. Uh, and I think he's been ever since that MVP season, they knew they were coming to this point of how we keep him long-term, how we build around this guy for his whole career. And they're working towards that. And I think they've, they've have a good foundation just, and they have the, the cap flexibility. That was another big thing they talked about too, uh, yeah. to, ma to make sure it happens. Yeah. That, that was a big deal is, is that when they, Signed Flacco, they did not have the flexibility to put him under the salary cap. And, you know, they they obviously, they had a highly leveraged deal, but it also put them in a bad negotiating position at that time. And now, you know, he alluded to the negotiating flexibility they had with Jackson over the fact that they have room under the cap uh, to hold him uh, on a tagged basis for for at least one year here. So that's that's something. And and I think that, uh, you know, they were they're good about that. But every statement that came out of that, uh, of the Lamar contract discussion were the relationship is great. I'll summarize in general. The relationship is mm -hmm. great between them and Lamar in both cases. You know, Jack Stanton, sorry, um, Harbaugh is not anticipating anybody else being at quarterback. He's, he's our guy long-term. Um, I think that, that, uh, you know, EDC says the same things uh, basically. And the only thing where he's at all reserved is in, in talking about the difference between Lamar the agent and Lamar, the player. Um, John made a number of comments about how, how, what he's done for the organization. Both of them did. In fact, of him being a competitor, 
But I think John talked about, you know, getting his guys ready. And that's some of the things we've talked about in the past is how he's kind of been the North star for the Ravens in terms of making yourself a better player during the off season. You know, you don't see that from every player. You do see that from Lamar Jackson. Right. And I think that's a, a really good point you brought up about this, uh, almost Jekyll and Hyde situation with Lamar, where you have the person, the player that they absolutely love and adore. And then there's this agent side, which I'm going to read between the lines with the omission of all the superlatives that it's not their favorite uh, person. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think negotiations are hard and they, they've talked about that. I mean, we've had many business, uh, you know, conversations. I, mean, I think everyone has in their life, even if you're just like getting someone to do some work for you, uh, or if you're like in actual work and, and doing business things, I think that those can be difficult conversations. And even when you like love someone, if they're family, for instance, you know, you still have some interesting conversations and it can be a little difficult in that regard. And I just, I got the feeling that he's been a difficult person to negotiate with, but, um, they still, you know, they still love the relate. Like they're able to keep the relationship separate, and they're able to uh, still have a good relationship. And it, ha- and it hasn't poisoned the well of him as a player. Yeah, I, 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 that definitely that came through loud and clear. And they're both very good about that. I think um, DeCosta was really good at pointing to the fact, or, or I thought it was interesting that he pointed to the fact that he was proud that most of the details of the negotiations that have happened so far have not gotten out. So. Right. You know, the NFLPA had apparently leaked something. So he's that is an thinly veiled insult or frustration with the NFLPA that 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 Eric DaCosta has. He he would rather be negotiating with an agent or Lamar himself, but not the NFLPA or not the fact that everybody is Lamar Jackson's agent because no one is his agent. That just makes right. things, you know, very, very difficult, obviously, for him. But I thought he did. It was interesting. He said almost nothing had gotten out about that. And that's the way he, basically he intended to keep it. And that's the way he's been for every player. He's always mm-hmm. very confidential about negotiations. He doesn't want to. I don't think it benefits him to talk about negotiations. So, like, why would he? But it also, I don't think it necessarily benefits the player either. It's just it just creates bad blood um, if, you're, if you're just trying to get uh, some kind of negotiating leverage in the media. I feel like that's just not the way to conduct business. And they're just very aware of that problem. Uh, so right. I, that's what I like about EC. I think he's just, he has a good head on his shoulders as far as how to handle these things. And I don't think he's giving Lamar any special treatment really, as far as how he is negotiating. Yeah. The negotiating through the media component um, is, is it's, it's very important to understand that that typically can reduce the value of the player such that they're more difficult to sign and they also can't be traded for as much. It's the worst thing for the team. And the player is playing a very dangerous game when they do it. And so you don't, you don't want to see it happen in the media. Obviously the the Ravens were taken aback by the comments that did not come up in this, in this press conference, which I thought was good. Um, But I, you know, obviously Harbaugh was not happy uh, and, and DaCosta can't be either about the fact that Harbaugh is making statements about his injury at the in, in the media at a critical time when there's you know a, a playoff considerations but if essentially he's trying to do damage control on his own reputation when the Ravens you know preferred mode of operation for him was to, you know if, if you can't play maybe we understand but and maybe we don't maybe we maybe we have to have that discussion but but more than likely they do understand 
they still want them to shut up about it because it's a competitive disadvantage to, to you know, let that information out <laughs> yeah. there and, and have the next team be, be uh, you know, not having to worry about Lamar Jackson. They did mention that if they were able to continue competing in the playoffs, that he could have been maybe available. Um, we don't have to do our, our predictions by numbers, but I feel like that after what happened before the Cincinnati uh-huh. game, I felt like there was no chance. <laughs> Zero. Zero chance. I mean, maybe, maybe they made it to the Super Bowl and it, it's a month later, but uh, even that seems a little slim at this point. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I thought I thought otherwise, though. They, they, they really did say all the right things about the Lamar negotiations. The only other thing I want to... Uh, well, there's two other things, I guess, that, that, that came up during the thing. One is, they talked about... Lots of people asked him, well, how long do you expect it to take effectively? And he mm-hmm. said, you know, it's different for every player. And Roquan, yes, he he didn't have an agent. And that was the kind of the parallel was made is, do you feel better? Like it'll be easier to negotiate with Lamar Jackson now that you were able to do it with Roquan. And he said, look, every player is different. And that's the right answer, by the way, anyway. Even if, it, even if it weren't true, it would be the right answer. Because Lamar could be different than every other one that he's had. And he said, you know, the, the, the Ronnie Stanley contract took a year and a half to put together. The Roquan deal took six days over the course of a month. So a month is how I would, would term that. But, you know, they're playing football, so it's not like they have every day to negotiate. So I think that was the point he was making. And then the other thing was that the um, Mark Andrews contract taken three to four days. I don't know how long the Justin Tucker contract took, but hearing it from Tucker, it's like it didn't take any time at all. They basically made an offer, made right. him the highest played player, and he accepted it kind of thing. Right. Yeah, it seemed that way to me too. So – I, I I thought it was good that anyway, uh, DaCosta is on top of saying that, you know, don't don't map this to any other particular player. The only thing that, that they really have in common is that, you know, we 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 didn't have a franchise tag available for both players. So we're real happy to get the Roquan deal done. And I'm going to be even happier when the Lamar deal is done. And I think I've got that wording basically correct. Yeah. Well, and it's funny, too, because. <laughs> You can't compare in this league the way it's structured, which I honestly have some some quibbles about with how much quarterbacks get paid. You can't. It, there's literally nothing. Like even the next highest contract, you know, maybe a, a, a prolific wide receiver or left tackle or cornerback, they make like almost half. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. average average value uh, for each year. And how can you compare those contracts? Like it, it's a whole different animal. So. um that, that that's I think a big part of it too. Just quarterback contracts are, are really something else at this point. Right. Yeah. They're they're they. So it, it's it mapping those is is a fool's errand is what you're really saying that that trying to mm. try to say A is like B is it really doesn't uh, uh, make sense. I, you know uh, the other correct things are are being said are some that you know you, we we can't be sure of. We don't have evidence, but you know John is saying that that Lamar wants to be a Raven too. You know the Ravens want mm-hmm. want Lamar to be and and it it would be absolutely fantastic. You know you you when when DaCosta says certain things like we're going to be fair, we're going to be as flexible as possible, kind of thing. Then you know it's it's a case of there is a conditional limit, and there always is a conditional limit. All love is conditional, we say, right? But this is sure. it's a case of. Of you know you, you you can afford to pay some amount and if it's not if it's outside that bounds then they they uh, uh, they won't they won't obviously entertain that. Um, a couple foolish questions during the about <laughs> what type of tender they were going to put on him and obviously the Ravens are never going to answer a question like that because you're basically asking will you trade Lamar Jackson if you can't sign him 
Or right. if you get and 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 obviously, you know, the answer to that is probably yes. But in in truth, um, why on earth would it benefit the Ravens? to explain their strategy to the rest of the league, to Lamar, you know, in advance of the negotiations, all of that. I mean, that's it's just it's a silly question. She probably shouldn't have been asked. Uh, sometimes you ask a question, you just try to open to get a reaction out of a person. Uh, I, I could say that more of an interrogation tactic than a, <laughs> uh, you know, an interview topic. And, and you know, given the, the uh, you know, the other things are going, I just didn't, I didn't think that was up to the, you know, the level they, that you'd expect of a question there. Um, Anything else about the about the negotiations that really stuck out to you in terms of the, the or the the Lamar contract situation? Well, it looks like it's uh it's starting up again, and they didn't explicitly say a timeline, but I um I mean they did mention the March seventh date, right? That was the day that they mentioned uh, they have to make the tag decision by. So obviously they're trying to get it done before then, and they also mentioned that they want to get it done. Like he would love if it was done before they go down to have their little powwow in Florida with, uh, mm-hmm. with Bishotti. And I, I totally get why it wouldn't surprise me at all. If it gets done in the next couple of weeks, I think if it's going to get done, it's going to happen sooner rather than later. I can't imagine it being, you know, right around the seventh, I guess it could, Don't you know, it's not impossible, but I have a feeling that you, you work in IT, Alec, right? Yeah. You're an yeah. IT guy. So yeah. what, what, what date do projects tend to get completed when they're due on a certain date? They expand to that to that ending. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, but I, I guess what I'm saying is, <laughs> I I think with the contract negotiations though, it's just different. It's, it's, we know what they want. We know what the different level levers are. Like I feel like they're already in a, a spot. But I guess if they're trying to like pressure each other, knowing that that deadline exists, then they'll they'll go to it. But it, they already know like where they're roughly at. I, I just feel like if if you put them in a pressure, if, if that date was tomorrow, it would be done today. You know what I mean? Like it, it's just kind of this arbitrary date. Like they know the lever. So that's, I guess that's my optimism. They'll just force themselves to get it done sooner. But uh, yeah, I guess we'll see. I, I think if I had to guess on when it will get done during the, what is it about six and a half weeks until, until they have to make mm-hmm. the tag decision, it would be in the back nine of that, uh, of, of that six and a half weeks. In right. The second half of that, not not the first half. So we'll see. I I hope you're right too, of course. And uh, and uh, that was cool. Now, do you think it would impact when they want to hire the OC? I don't think it impacts the OC decision really. I think the 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 OC is out there. I think you have nailed it when you say that it's going to be a popular job. I thought that by the way about the Ravens DC position when Martindale got it, and I said, mm-hmm. you know, why are they not casting a broad net? This is this is the position in football, star laden defensive roster. Why would why wouldn't you know everybody want this? You know, defense organization that values defense and will spend on it. You know, that's a, that's the kind of place you want to be the defensive coordinator. Um, right. And they, they you know they hired an in house guy right away. Unfortunately, it turned out to be very good. But the but you know, in my money, one of the top three defensive coordinators in Ravens history, and it's a storied line. But uh, with uh, with Greg Roman, they pretty much had it determined that he was going to be the next guy too. He's an in house tight ends coach, run game coordinator. And, and then they, you know, obviously he, he got the job and um, yeah, it, it, it's, if they are thinking internally, your go-to place for wild card round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL to kick off the road to Super Bowl 57. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wild card round this weekend. 
Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Download the DraftKings Sportsback app and use the code FILM. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code FILM. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER, 21+. plus. Physically present in Maryland, bonus bonus issued as free bets. One free bet issued based on amount of initial losing NFL bet up to $10. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash MD for full terms and conditions. I think they'll interview internally, but I really think this is going to be an outside hire. I think they're, they're going to have a lot of a lot of good opportunities outside, and I think they'll they'll pick someone. And there are we did get some indications during the year because if T. Martin or Keith Washington, for example, or or, or Urban, were, were the right mm-hmm. guys, then I gotta believe they might have jumped in and taken the role at some point down the stretch. I mean, obviously things were things were looking very bleak. I totally agree. I will say, though, that, I mean, there's definitely some competition. Got the Buccaneers, Chargers, Commanders, Titans, Rams, Jets, Patriots, Colts, and Cardinals, all looking for offensive coordinators as well. And 10 total teams. Some of those teams, huh? 10 total teams, right? 10 teams. And I would say three of those positions are quite interesting. Um, And I could see them being, with the Chargers being the number one, as far as, like, next Mm -hmm. to the Ravens, as far as interest. Um, So, We'll see which way they want to go, but uh, I, I do think that the Ravens have conducted themselves in such a manner that they'll be an appealing destination uh, for reasons outside of just the team that they'll get the you know the players that they get to coach. They hired a very young defensive coordinator this year, guy who had they had yeah. a history with, so that that wasn't a problem. But Mike McDonald, obviously an up and coming coach in the league, I think he's his first season definitely shows adaptation. That's uh, an ability to adapt. It's it's very positive. Um, If do you see Harbaugh going for another young blood, or do you think that will not enter the equation? Good question. I lean towards them going with a younger coordinator, Um, but if it will go into the equation, I think it's a variable. But I wouldn't have it weighted too highly. I think that they're more so just looking for the right person. and the person they feel most confident with. And uh, yeah, because I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I don't know who knows in this league, but uh, it wouldn't be shocking to me if someone like uh, McDonald is the successor to Carball. I mean, I don't know how much longer he's going to be coaching for. And yeah, um, it, it could you know, be talked about from now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, it, I feel like he won't be that patient, but uh, just because most people aren't, but it, it, I do think, there's that aspect of it too. I wouldn't be shocked just the way Harbaugh thinks about himself and the way he is like that. His legacy would matter. It could be uh, it, most head coaches do not get to pick their successor. It's it's very unusual. Most, most departing CEOs do not get to pick their successor. It's, <laughs> it's, it's rare. And honestly, the only kind of CEO who does get to pick their successor is the kind who's elevating it to chairman of the board. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and that sort of, uh, uh, you know, CEO as he is still is, is still around. If the head coaching, you know, similarity would be someone moving up to GM, and and that just, that ain't happening. I, if somebody asked me if there's a front office role for John Harbaugh after he retires from coaching, I, you know, if I look at him 
skill set wise, and I'm sure he's got broader skills than what I'm surface reading here, but great motivator of men, very high, high value there. Uh, really good at managing a game. He's gotten better over the years in terms of folding in the analytics, but in a positive way to make good decisions during a game. Um, I, I just don't see him as a great talent evaluator. Uh, and, and that, no. that it's, 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 you know, it's, we often joke about the, about the ED said DC draft picks not working out as well. And, you know, he is there for the draft. I mean, you know, he may have more input into it, but I just, I just do not see him as, as, as being a class A talent evaluator. He could be a B, but, but, you know, the, the yeah. Ravens organization has been, has created a lot of A's over the years in terms of, of, uh, yeah. of people who could go out and manage other teams' uh, personnel. Mm-hmm. For sure. Let's talk a little bit about, more about what DaCosta said, because I thought one of the coolest points he made was that thought this was a record this year because there's only one off-season surgery. And he said, you know, normally you have a whole host of guys that are going in to get something scoped or cleaned up or or have something else done. And he, he, he would not say the player, and that makes sense, particularly if it's a veteran who's a free agent. But there's only one guy who's <laughs> having off-season surgery. Right. Yeah, I have, a, I have a really good hunch it's Lamar, but that's just that's just me. Um but it's, I guess that's a good spot. I do think that they're in a pretty relatively healthy space, which is awesome. Um, and I think, uh, unfortunately, we dealt with a lot of gremlins all year long. I think it cost us the division um, to uh, get, you know, even get, they did, but I, they, they talked about it, that they played their best ball at the end of the year and that they were getting progressively healthier, uh, which is kind of uncommon. And, uh, you know, my is a Lamar situation. I feel like that, that was definitely true. And, yeah, like I think having this clean bill of health, particularly after the last two years that they've had, will be a, a big relief. It was, it was an odd season where they had a couple of positions significantly impacted by midseason returns. And so not only did you have the Roquan Smith acquisition, which was enormous in terms of, of pulling the defense together as a unit, but you also had the outside linebacker position, which, you know, it was mm-hmm. anybody who could stand on two feet at the beginning of the year was getting <laughs> 60, 60 snaps. Uh, you know, really overusing some players in a very bad way to that becoming a very healthy and deep unit that kept David Ajabo off the field towards the end of the year. And that, that was another comment mm-hmm. that that DaCosta made during this. The other thing is the running backs. I mean, running back, Rome, Mike Davis started that first game. Kenyon Drake, you know, was – Kenyon Drake, <laughs> he made contributions this year. I don't, I don't mean – I yeah. don't want to beat the crap out of him, but he, he does not represent exactly what you want in a running back uh, if you're the Baltimore Ravens, you have options. So, so you, 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 you can go out, you can get guys off the scrap heap who fit a stylistic need and you don't have to, you don't have to pay for it or not, not even the full vet minimum a lot of times. Um, and, and, you know, hopefully you can get a guy who matches up with some of your run scheme. And I thought mm-hmm. the Ravens have been very good at that in the past. And this is, it's just a year, last two years. In fact, they've, They've gone out and they've got a lot of older backs and and really other than Drake they haven't worked out but Davis, uh, Le'Veon Bell, um, yeah. Murray and Murray, Devonta yeah. Freeman none of them really worked out that well. Right, I did think it was a really interesting point, kind of going off what you're discussing with the running back room. Is that DaCosta made a point of saying that having less picks in this draft to uh, you know to the trade with the Roquan is not necessarily a bad thing. And he, he pointed out the inability to keep players on the team. We saw Beatty, um, 
who they never seemed to have a good relationship with, so to speak, ended his contract so he could pursue other opportunities after getting, uh, you know, stuck on the practice squad all year. And um, immediately started playing snaps for uh, the Broncos. And we saw when we lost, uh, not Zeitler, but uh, what is it? Uh, um, Simpson? No, not Simpson. The guy from the uh, 18 class that we cut, the defensive uh, tackle. Oh, Sealer. Sealer. That's it. Jack Sealer. Yep. Lost Sealer. I wasn't able to keep him on the squad. Things like that. That uh, I wouldn't. It made me a little less confident they're going to trade back and try to get more picks. I think they still might, and it's a, not necessarily a bad idea. But um, I think they're more open to having less picks this year than uh, maybe some fans would believe. Yeah, he, he mentioned the 1999 draft and how great it was, and he couldn't remember all the players. But Brandon Stokely, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go back. We'll go to this. But he said they only had four draft picks. And I'll go really quick to to – figure this out here so in 1999 they had they had four picks chris McAllister, brandon stokely is a four edwin militell is a four and then anthony poindexter was the seven that he yes. couldn't couldn't remember anthony poindexter actually played a few games with the ravens uh particularly i think he played a few games in 2000 maybe a few in 1999 as well but yeah, uh, he was a, a special teams a safety kind of thing really hard-hitting guy uh yeah I, I think i think we would have liked him if he stayed around he would have been a dime back probably that uh, that would have been one of those guys um, let's see. Somebody did ask him about. Uh, somebody asked about the screws in Bateman's foot, which is a very specific injury question. I didn't think that would that would go anywhere, but Harbaugh said it's my understanding the screws can come out if it's time for them to come out <laughs> or something. Yeah, some players it's good for them to come out. Some players it's not apparently. And uh, I'm no doctor, so I'm not going to play it on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I thought it was interesting that Harbaugh, who I didn't think that there's a chance in hell he would answer a question like that, actually has something specific to say about it. Uh, so so <laughs> right. it's. It, I think it does generally bode positively for Bateman's health going into 2023. And obviously, he's a very key player for the Ravens. Um, one other thing was he was asked if uh, he talked to some of the veterans about being back. And, and three guys on defense were specifically named, I think, Houston, JPP, and Campbell. In terms of having them, he said he had conversations with about twenty guys. He mentioned Clark because mm-hmm. okay. there's a specific question about Clark, and he's like, you know, we've had conversations about that, and um, you know, he didn't want to like say what they're going to do, but he mm-hmm. he thought very positively of of Clark, the player, and who he's been for the team. Okay, but I I, I don't like the past tense being used, even in in that sense where he's just talking <laughs> yeah. about who he has yeah. been for the team so far. <laughs> right, so, right. Uh, but with but with Campbell, um, JPP, and Houston, uh, you know, he, he talked about them being veterans. He, I, I don't think they can all be back based on the fact that Ojabo is here. I do mm-hmm. think that one of them, in terms of G, of Houston and JPP, can be back, and then we'll we'll see if they can find a way to fit Campbell on, uh, or if or if Campbell even wants to play. One veteran they did not mention, Kevin Zeitler, and Zeitler is in the last year of his deal could potentially retire before next season. Uh, nobody asked that question. But a little strange. A little strange that no one asked about Zeitler, but it almost fits this, the the theme of Zeitler never being talked about in the media. <laughs> so it, it's a shame that he wasn't brought up. And um, I guess we'll, we'll have to see how that one plays out because he's definitely, I think it's going to be a big difference if he comes back next year versus not as far as how the team approaches the offensive line build out. Um, 
if he comes back, I don't think they're necessarily in the market to add someone in free agency. I think they would just uh, augment through the draft. But if not, given the fact they only have five picks at the moment, they'd have to either change their draft strategy, use some of their capital on that, or go into free agency uh, with a targeted pickup. And I think it, it is tricky, he mentioned, with the Lamar situation in flux, knowing what they can spend and how they can spend and um, things like that. So we'll definitely have to see. I, I, I think they need an answer out of Zeitler, though, before uh, free agency, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, though no, they definitely need to need to understand his future, and and I, I don't know how they can press him for that. I think he's he's free to retire when he feels like it, but uh, but uh, maybe you know maybe they can they can uh, talk to him about it and and either get it done or whatever. Um, you know, one of the things that that he stressed was there will be tough decisions as there are every year, mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, looking at this roster, the the guys who are most likely to get cut for cap purposes are probably Campbell and Gus Edwards, who's at 4.4 million for next year. Mm. And there aren't a lot of other guys on the roster who would make a lot of sense to cut. There there are some, they're smaller value guys. Michael Pierce has been suggested. I think they'll keep him because it's not, it's not a big savings. He was very good when he played just briefly this year. Yeah. Oh, you know, another veteran that they mentioned was um, Marcus Peters and trying to figure out uh, his deal. So yeah, I, I really don't know what they're going to do with that situation. I think I, my opinion is if they can get a relatively team friendly deal, similar to what they were kind of getting out of uh, Jimmy Smith near the end, then we might keep him around. But I think that there would be a different team willing to pay more. And it's going to come oh, down yeah. to him deciding like, does he want to take a bigger payday or stay with the team that he enjoys playing with? So, I, I, I don't think we would compete. Uh, we won't be able to compete at all. And 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 honestly, if they had a one year, four or five million dollar deal with Peters where he bet on himself, maybe, but I think it's more likely that he gets three years, twenty-eight million somewhere else. And yeah, you know, the other, other team does well. Peters is still not that old. He's not 30 yet, I don't believe. So uh I will check that just to just to be sure I'm not misstating. But uh but he's he's a guy that certainly has a lot of football left to play. Uh, and, and, and honestly did not play that terrible this year. I know a lot of people said he didn't play up to the level he had in the past. Well, that's true, but, uh, he will be 30 shortly. Actually, he just turned 30 10 days ago. So there you go. Gotcha. Oh, makes me feel old, Ken. Uh, <laughs> I thought he was older, but, uh, uh yeah, go ahead. I, I, I just want to move on to wide receiver here. If if there's, if there was nothing else sure. on Peters. Yeah. So, you know, obviously questions came up about wide receiver and they, they'd already addressed the topic a little bit in terms of what they were going to, um, uh, you, you know, try and do in terms of building the room. But you mentioned, you know, wide receiver and cornerback or two positions where they're going to have to build both through the draft and through free agency. So that was interesting. Um, but, you know, they also, made the point that they won't mortgage the future two to three years out to win now. And that they, they, they believed in a, in a always competing uh, you know, point of view. And, and obviously that's something there's a lot of debate on Ravens Twitter about. And I've, mm-hmm. I've been a very huge proponent of the Ravens using a level strategy because frankly, I've, I'm a season ticket holder and I want to have competitive games every year when I go to go to football. I don't want to ride the roller coaster of, ooh, we have the tank option this year. It, that, that particularly is annoying to me. Uh, and, and, it's, and it's a way in a lot of ways, like 
somebody else who is no real stake in the game is is effectively spending my money to <laughs> to, uh, to make that choice. I you know I, I kind of resent it. Um, it is just is what it is. Um, but uh, <laughs> but anyway, I believe in in the level view. And and he said that John Harbaugh had told him that, and John is right there. He's not so he's not denying it. Obviously, that he never wants to go through a rebuilding year. Yeah. And I think it's reasonable. I think there are ways that you can do uh, just in time rebuilds, so to speak. Like, I mean, there's a there is a a path that is not even remotely small at this point that we do a small rebuild this year, because if you lose Lamar Jackson, that leaves a massive hole in your team. But you will gain draft capital. And with that draft capital, you can rebuild in the fly and i honestly think this team's extremely competitive in either situation so i'm like as much as i don't want to lose lamar jackson i'm not afraid of it at this point the the 2018 team was rebuilt on the fly 2018 and 19 but the 18 draft obviously yeah yeah a good team should be able to be rebuilt on the fly there's really no reason to have to see these teams fall apart because of bad contracts and injuries uh, at the wrong time. And I think that's the biggest thing that kind of grinds my gears. Um, and and, her, and or rather, DeCosta talked about it. The importance of depth in this league when you know people are going to get hurt is undeniable. And I just think there's too many factors that you can't control to ever want to put weight on the, or like put your finger on the dial or whatever the, the turn of phrase is for one particular year. Because it's a bad bet. I mean, we saw it this year when they got Roquan. I'm sure they were hoping that uh you know that that would be the piece to send him over the edge and it wasn't it ended up being a long-term contract and maybe that'll be good for the team etc but it it's one of those things where putting too much all in on one year just to have your quarterback go down like what are you doing you, you can't make lemons out of lemonade sorry other way around <laughs> you can't make lemonade out of those lemons i mean obviously it, it was a bad trade to pick up rokon smith for all that draft capital you the only way you can justify it is you can say the market frictions had the value that we signed them for future years. And I guess, you know, another way you could put it, if you really want to make an argument for either side, is that we didn't know how good Roquan could be because his, his play right. with the Bears had not been as good until we put him in this defense with these other good players. Now, all, all of a sudden, you know, he's playing at a whole nother level himself. And not only is this a place, you know, he presumably likes to play now or around, you know, a, 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 mm-hmm. a similarly talented defense instead of around, you know, a mixed group of talent in Chicago. But uh, but this is uh, you know the Ravens had to see it for their own eyes. But uh, truth of the matter is, Rokon is going to be available at market price, and my guess is the Ravens probably would have been interested in him and probably would have gotten him cheaper if if uh, if they had not had him here for this period. That you know he might have been fifteen and a half to sixteen million per year instead of twenty uh, had they had they uh, held off and done it at the end of the year, and they they would still have the draft capital, obviously. Yeah, potentially so. Uh, that I definitely think they valued the uh, test drive, so to speak. I think that, mm-hmm. uh, and and it kind of makes sense. But um, yeah, it definitely was a, a a point of emphasis to say, okay, you know, you make that your trade, particularly when you think things are going well, and they, and they were. I don't mind them doing it th- this year, like trying to get a little bit more eggs in the basket mm-hmm. and getting that optionality for signing them long term, et cetera. But um, you know, then you, you can see how quickly it can fall apart with injuries. So I think getting, like they said, their key thing is to win a division each year. And then after that, they want to be as competitive as they can in the playoffs. And I just, I personally don't think there's a difference between beating, being great in the playoffs and, and uh, 
winning the division because we have Joe Burrow and that pass offense. If you if you think that we can't keep up, like we play them twice a year, like that's your litmus test. We have like these high quality teams in our division that uh, you know need to be in the playoffs, and I just think that winning the division is a pretty good uh, pretty good goal. It's 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 a great goal, and the people who say we got to play in the conference championship every year are going to be uh, frustrated seven eighths of the time. <laughs> Yes, because <laughs> there's only four teams that make the make the you know obviously, I, 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 there are only eleven or thirteen now playoff wins to go around in the entire NFL per season. That means each team in a reason of, of that has reasonable expectations, which none of those exist, and each each yeah. team <laughs> has reasonable expectations can expect thirteen thirty seconds out of a playoff win per per year. Uh, you know that's that's a, a little more than a third. Um, it just it's just ridiculous to me the notion that it's got to make a deep run. Oh no, we got to we we have A or we have B or we have Roquan or we just signed Ronnie Stanley or Lamar's on his first contract and you know cry me a river you know because because injuries <laughs> will always dictate what happens. Injuries, frankly, last year and the health the lack of them made the Cincinnati Bengals a Super Bowl team. You know a team that was not nearly talented enough uh, to make it and and health you know drives an awful lot about the NFL on a year to year basis. So you, you know, if you're, if you're, if all of your decisions are made based on watching, you know, very small ebbs and flows in, in tide and managing that over a long period of time. And then, you know, you hit a, you get hit by a tsunami every three years, you know, you, you shouldn't be, uh, you know, investing to go all in based on these little cyclical trends you're finding. It just, it doesn't make sense. Totally agree. All right, Alex. Uh, Alec, I'm sorry. Always a pleasure to talk football with you. Oh, anything else in the conference we need to talk about? I think yeah, we have to talk about the wide receiver room still. We kind of really didn't oh, talk about go it ahead. too much. It's like, yeah, because like I was kind of surprised how clear they were that they intend to rebuild this room, and it's it's definitely a common trend with Acosta, and he talked about it too. Like, like last year, it was the offensive line. We really focused on that, and look how good the offensive line was. Great, and it is. They have completely shown their cards that wide receiver is an area of interest. Which I mean. Everyone knew it would be, so I guess it's not showing too much, but it is definitely interesting for them to be so abundantly clear that they expect a lot of turnover in that room. I don't know how anybody could think anything else, honestly. I mean, they've got it, it, turnover. They've got injuries there to, to, to the other key players. We don't really have a good sense of when De- Devin DuVernay is going to be back because that's really something that's been kept under wraps to date. Uh, so mm-hmm. we, we really don't know. And in, in a lot of these cases, you know, Bateman, I think that – some people think that he might be back sooner rather than later. I'm not. I'm not sure of that. They, they, they seem to be more happy about that. But then they've got other guys who did contribute this year, who are older guys like Watkins and Robinson, who they don't have any scholarship here at present. In fact, they're both they're both free agents, right? I think Robinson is too. Both free agents. No yeah. Watkins yep. is, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, it's they could be they could be either one of them could be a guy who comes in and fills in as your fourth or fifth wide receiver. I think it, it would be bad if either of those guys was the third wide receiver for this team. Absolutely, and Robinson was yeah, was 100%. number one at the end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, they they definitely need to be a fourth or fifth option, not a third. They in this NFL, you really need to have three quite good guys, and I think having Bateman as your one A, then you need like a one B, and then. Uh, Duvernay as a, as a kind of the two is okay. And, you know, you can kind of consider Mark Andrews in there. You can kind of consider likely, but at the end of the day, I want to use them as actual tight ends. 
Um, I rather I rather do my bookkeeping that way. I think that it's really important that they invest and get at least one bona fide, real deal uh, wide receiver, be it in the draft or in free agency. And uh, my my hunch is it will be free agency for no other reason than the way the cards will fall in in the draft. They can't quite control, particularly at twenty two. And uh, and I also my understanding I haven't done much research yet is that this draft for wide receivers is has a decent amount of depth, but isn't as top heavy as we've seen in recent years. So there's just not as much um, pro readiness. That, that might work well for the Ravens to get a third round guy. Anyway, they, uh, to, to my way of thinking, they need a first round cornerback. That's what, that's the, that's mm-hmm. the spot that's extremely shorthanded right now. And uh, not having, not having corners on a great front seven. We've seen that blow the Ravens a few times. I mean, the 2005 and 2007 Ravens were basically, you know, they, they were Bowler and McNair teams respectively. So they had, they were going to have problems no matter what in terms of, of generating a lot of offense, but they had, they had great defensive players around that with some terrible cornerback situations that really ruined the team. It's, it's, they're the two, I mean, they're, they're the parallels, right? On offensive defense is the wide receiver and the cornerbacks. And it's abundantly clear. You can never have enough of them. They always say that about corners. They don't necessarily say about wide receivers, but the truth goes both ways. So yeah. I agree with you. I mean, that first pick needs to be a wide receiver, a corner, if, if it makes sense, so to speak. Um, you don't want to reach, obviously, but that if that's not the target, I'd be shocked. Right. Pass rusher has been mentioned. I, I honestly think that's substantially lower this year with the with the acquisition of a Jabo. They need to see that mm-hmm. play out. They need to see out what they have. They need to commit to it, you know, working out since they – uh, have a lot of well, I mean, they have a lot invested, and and the early returns are are okay at least. So let's see what yeah. let's see where David Ajabo is next year, and and make sure they have the flexibility to expand his snaps properly to to do that. I don't have a problem if they bring back Houston as a situational pass rusher. I don't have a problem if they bring back JPP as being a early down run defender, but I, but I do have a problem if they can't find a way to get Ajabo on the field next year. Agreed, and they also have Oa who showed flashes in that last game. Of- oh yeah what he could definitely be. So I, I definitely want to leave that open as well. Outstanding game from OA. You got to be, got to be positive on 2023 from that. Uh, anything else, Alec, anything else I mixed missed from the press conference that we didn't really talk about yet? I, I don't think so. I think we, we covered it quite well. Um, I thought it was pretty enlightening. I think they gave away more than I necessarily thought they would. Um, and I'm excited to see how they build out the team in the next couple of months. All right. Outstanding. Alec, always a pleasure to talk football with you. Uh, enjoy going to the Bengals game with you this last weekend. We had a lot of fun doing that. Uh, even though the the result was not what we hoped for. Uh, it was a, it was <laughs> yeah. an entertaining three hours of football that uh, it, one thing we say about poker is our whole figuring uh, no limit hold'em when you play in a tournament is it's hours of boredom and minutes of terror. And you know, so you're you're all in, and you're 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 completely terrified of that moment while they're about to you know flip the remaining cards for the turn of the river, and then your uh, your your tournament is either over or you continue kind of thing. But uh, but that that's what the playoffs are like. They're they're you know they're three hours of of extremely tense entertainment in a very loud environment, and uh, uh, you know fun. Uh, certainly, what I go to playoff football for, and and you know the Ravens. For who they were and for where they were, I thought they delivered a good product on the field on uh, on Sunday night. Absolutely, I love this team. I'm very proud of them. I say a lot of the same things that uh, that Harbaugh did, you know, at that press conference. And uh, 
I will I will fully admit, Ken, it was a it was an absolute pleasure to go with you to the game. I found the environment intoxicating, even though it wasn't at home. The last time I've been at a a playoff game was um, during the, the Super Bowl run uh, the, at the Colts game, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's been a while for me. And and even though we were absolutely surrounded by the enemy, I, I still thought it was a lot of fun, and I I, I loved every moment of it. And just uh, it would been so sweet if they were able to leave there with a victory. Um, it definitely was in their hands, but uh, really enjoyed it. And I, I recommend it to anyone if you're if you have the opportunity, man, just go. Like I was I was definitely on the fence there, and I'm glad that Ken uh, and everybody you know kind of convinced me that it was a good idea and it, it was awesome so if you ever have the opportunity definitely go for it um i don't think you'll necessarily regret it it was it was a really really awesome time and like you said like just the weight of the circumstance and and everything about it just made it even more interesting yeah all, all kinds of fun uh I need to mention one other thing other folks out there uh doing a new series now and i want to get people interested in this it's called that one play and you want to pick one play in Ravens history. We'll talk about it for about 15 to 20 minutes. You talk about it from whatever perspective you like, but you be you on this. If you want to analyze something about it, maybe it was a horrible decision. Maybe it was a uh, it had consequences that were significant for the franchise. Maybe it just won a football game and, and you liked it schematically. Or maybe it was how you were first introduced to football or it was at the only game you've ever been to. All of that is cool. But we'll, we'll, it's an opportunity for more people to get behind the microphone uh, or a headset, if that's what you've got. And, and, and we'll talk about <laughs> uh, one particular play for about 15, 20 minutes and uh, and do a series this year that ought to be, a, I think, a lot of fun. I've got already 12 people signed up now. Uh, I just a, a, started this a couple of days ago and, uh, and been an unbelievable response. So we'll be recording those over the next several months and they'll play out over this off season. I hope you tune in for those should be a shorter content of film study available. That'd be about, about 20 minutes, maybe including a commercial or two. Uh, Alec, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on film study. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.